As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. Welcome to No Filter. I'm your host, Anna Kasparian. Today, we're going to do something a little different from our past episodes. We spent a lot of time talking about complex topics, including the impact of non-bank mortgage lenders pushing us to our next housing market collapse and the consequences of corporate stock buybacks. But today, I want to focus on something that impacts our lives every day, mental health. We're going to explore the common occurrence of burnout and later decipher what genuinely makes people happy. But before we get to all the good stuff, uh, I just want to take a moment to encourage you to leave a five-star rating if you're listening to this episode on a podcast. If you've already done so, please share this podcast with friends and family. I, along with the producers here at No Filter, have put a lot of hard work into the show, and we'd be super grateful if you helped us get the word out. With that said, let's get to the main event. We've all been told at some point in our lives that if we work really hard, we can achieve anything we want. In the States, hard work and the American dream is drilled into our brains from an extremely early age. But the outcome tends to be a massive population of people who work excruciatingly long hours, wow, that's a tongue twister, yet feel increasingly dissatisfied with their lives and their accomplishments. I should know. Recently, I took a moment to think about all the nagging thoughts and pressures that race through my mind on any given day. It all begins at five or six in the morning. Have I chosen the best stories for the show? Do I have time to work out? If I don't work out, how long will it take before I look like I've let myself go? Am I the best version of myself? Am I the best, period? Am I putting enough work into my marriage? When will I visit my parents? How do I improve the show? I need to promote more of my work on social media. Am I growing my following? It goes on and on. From the early morning hours to about 6 p.m., I'm working and I'm working hard. Yet I've noticed that over the past two and a half years, I've been pretty unhappy. I've been cynical, pessimistic, detached, unmotivated, anxiety-ridden, and I've even had a lot of trouble sleeping, even though I'm obviously exhausted. I keep isolating myself from friends and family, and I'll ignore texts and phone calls. Sadly, I had become a caricature of a busy career woman on Family Guy. We now return to busy business lady whose life is missing something, but she doesn't realize it because she's so busy with business. No, no, I cannot make that business meeting. I've got a different business meeting at three, and we'll be doing business there. I was wondering if you're free for coffee. Oh, no, I can't. I've got a lunch meeting, and then a meeting after lunch. Yeah, turns out I'm just part of a huge group of Americans who experience burnout. Even Elon Musk, who himself has a reputation of overworking his employees, recently opened up about his experience with burnout to the New York Times. He said, quote, there were times when I didn't leave the factory for three or four days, days when I didn't go outside. This has really come at the expense of seeing my kids and seeing my friends. All night, no friends, nothing, he said, struggling to get the words out. Hearing about people's burnout stories made me want to learn more about it. That's when I came across Frederick Muley, the founder of Actitudes Coaching. 
He explained what happens to us when we experience burnout during a TEDx talk, and it was actually devastatingly relatable. Listen carefully because chances are that you've experienced what he's about to describe. What happens at a mental level is that your ego does not want to accept that you are getting more and more tired. So your ego wants to maintain an ideal self-image. I call this the superhero syndrome. It means that despite the fact you're getting more and more tired and overwhelmed, your ego wants to project an image that you're still a kind of Superman or Wonder Woman, that you're on top of things, uh, but indeed you're getting overwhelmed. At an emotional level, what happens is that you basically lose your ability to regulate your emotions and you get stuck into the negative types of emotions. I'm sure you can think of someone around you who would qualify as an energy black hole or an emotional black hole, always stuck into the negative. Yeah, yeah, I'm raising my hand, stuck in the negative. This all sounds pretty familiar. According to psychologist Sherry Borg-Carter, burnout is a state of chronic stress that leads to three main categories. First, there's physical and emotional exhaustion, which can include chronic fatigue, insomnia, forgetfulness, impaired concentration, increased illness, loss of appetite, anxiety, depression, and anger. The second category is cynicism and detachment, where one experiences a loss of enjoyment. In other words, the things that previously made you happy fail to give you the same sense of joy. You can also experience a pessimistic outlook on everything, and you're likely to wanna isolate yourself from everyone to be alone. Finally, the third category includes feelings of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. In this category, you become more apathetic toward things you used to care deeply about. You might also feel hopeless and irritable. The ironic thing is that even though you've been experiencing burnout from overworking yourself, you actually end up becoming less productive. You're far more likely to experience burnout if you've bought into this culture of competition, which I know that I personally have. If your happiness is dependent on impressing others or being the absolute best at everything, burnout will likely creep into your life before you even realize it's happening. In the burnout society, we view life as a competition. All the goals we are told are worth reaching, from money to popularity, they are always measured relative to other people. So we have to have more than others. It's a pretty bad idea to view life as a competition because it's a competition we can't win. No matter how successful we are, there's always someone else who seems to be doing better. So what does this all mean when looking at the bigger picture? Is this as much of an epidemic as it seems? The numbers give us a sense of how common burnout really is. In fact, in 2016, a report by the consulting group called Deloitte found that one of the biggest worries for employers is the overwhelmed employee. Their research shows that 77% of respondents say they have experienced employee burnout at their current job, with more than half citing more than one occurrence. The vast majority of Americans work not only through lunch, but through nights and weekends too. Economists from the University of Texas at Austin and the Paris School of Economics found that 27% of Americans regularly work overnight between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. and 29% regularly work on the weekends. Yeah, kind of like how I worked over the weekend to write the script. But the same study found that overworking is a problem throughout the world. Uh, it's 
certainly a bigger issue here in America where 31% of employees work 45 or more hours per week. In Germany, that number actually drops down to 18%. In France, only 4% of employees work such long hours. The Japanese experience burnout more than any other country, and the consequences are so bad that the government has education campaigns to encourage people to just take a load off. According to the Huffington Post, the Japanese are so familiar with the consequences of burnout that they've built it into their vocabulary. They have a word for burnout that leads to death, Kiroshi. Japan might also be the only country that holds employers liable for their employees' burnout-related suicides. The government also awards the equivalent of about $20,000 to victims' families. So how do we overcome burnout? It's a difficult task that I struggle with myself, but we already know the answers. The biggest piece of advice mental health professionals give is to just say no to additional projects and commitments when you know you're already overwhelmed. Try to delegate as many things as possible and learn how to give up a little control over tasks. Spend some time unplugged from tech each day and socialize outside of your professional group. Set boundaries with your employer and avoid taking work home. And look, I get it, it feels impossible. Again, I wrote this script on a Sunday afternoon in my home office, so believe me, I get it. And there are absolutely systemic roadblocks that keep workers from attaining the true work-life balance they need to feel happier. But we as a culture need to do more for both our mental and physical health, because what we're doing now is counterproductive. We should all play a role in speaking out about the effects of burnout so we can all make a difference. After the break, we will go from the issue of burnout to the issue of happiness. What do we need to do to make ourselves happy? I'll give you the answers when we come back. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to No Filter. If you're an American, just know that while we continuously hear the jingoistic nonsense about how we're the best and we're number one, which may make it seem like we feel pretty good about ourselves, keep in mind that Nordic countries kick our asses when it comes to one critical factor, happiness. According to the 2018 World Happiness Report, the US is listed as the 18th happiest country, a far cry from number one. But chilling in the top four, you'll find Finland, followed by Norway, Denmark, and Iceland. The report charted a steady decline in American happiness as we struggle with obesity, substance abuse, and depression. According to The Guardian, the report, an annual publication from UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network, said all Nordic countries scored high highly on income, health, health life expectancy, social support, freedom, trust, and generosity. Mike Viking from the Happiness Research Institute in Denmark addressed the Nordic elephant in the room. You know, the one that can only thrive off tax revenue. Viking says, in the Nordic countries in general, we pay some of the highest taxes in the world. But there is wide public support for that because people see them as investments in the quality of life for all. Free healthcare and university education goes a long way when it comes to happiness. But in the US, we tend to base our happiness on something completely different. The second reason is that they get really focused on extrinsic motivators, external motivators, the pay, the benefits, the salary. But the truth is these aren't the things that make you happy. 
Finding that internal motivation, that intrinsic motivators is much more important. Is it true that we seek validation from others in an effort to make ourselves happy? In the US, you can't get through a conversation with someone new without the inevitable question regarding what you do for money. But in Denmark, it's actually taboo to talk about one's financial success or career accomplishments. Maybe the pressure Americans feel to impress others really does put a damper on our happiness. Another factor that seems to lead to unhappiness in the US is the ever-increasing political divide, which became even more apparent after the last general election. Gallup conducted a survey of 2.5 million Americans to measure their subjective well-being. That's fancy researcher lingo for happiness. The survey examined how people feel in their day-to-day -day lives across key dimensions of well-being, including physical health and wellness, having supportive personal and family relationships, financial and economic security, having a sense of purpose, and connection to one's community. So. Turns out that the results uh, pretty much sucked. 21 states registered absolute declines in their levels of well being, and not a single state showed a statistically significant improvement in 2017. When it comes to political divide, you might expect that states that voted for Trump would be happier than those who voted for Clinton. But as Trump would say, absolutely wrong. Absolute wrong. wrong. Yeah, well being is actually higher higher where more people disprove of the president and lower in states where more people approve of Trump. I guess that makes sense because Trump voters seem so damn angry all the time. You guys won, relax, calmate. Yeah, that was Spanish, do you feel triggered? Good. The Gallup survey also found that well-being is lower in more religious states and higher in states with a larger concentration of artists, musicians, writers, and other uh, bohemians, whatever that means. It's also higher in states where people exercise more and are more fit. You know why? Because exercise gets those endorphins going. What was even more fascinating about this Gallup survey is that even though the economy worked its way out of a recession, Americans were actually happier in 2009 when they were really feeling the financial struggles compared to 2017. Well-being declined in all 50 states between 2009 and 2017. These declines are concentrated in the very states that had higher levels of well-being in 2009. So what makes us happy? Look, I know I can't speak for an entire country, but I can share what I've learned through two and a half years of complete rockiness and turbulence. I used to get a lot of pleasure out of professional accomplishments, and I guess I still do. But in 2016, I noticed achieving things in my career yielded diminishing returns in my quality of life. There's a lot of sacrifice that comes along with establishing a career, and sometimes you lose the critical balance necessary for well-being. When my work-life ratio is out of whack, I spend less time with family. I have fewer laughs with friends. I lose sight of all the reasons I want to be successful in the first place. Money and success means little if you don't have people to share it with. Yes, it's important to have enough cash to take care of the bare necessities, but after that, the things that make you happy are those sweet moments in life with the people you love. I was curious what my own family members would say if I asked them about what makes them happy. They're about to share it with you. So the question is what makes me happy yeah. in life? Yeah. Um, friends, family, gatherings as such. I'm gonna play some good old family blackjack mm -hmm. just to teach the parents a little bit. Um, and these are the days that go down as memories. 
The happiest is being able to put my daughter to sleep at night every night. Being there to be able to do that, to be able to spend time with obviously family is the most important to me. After what I've been going through the past couple days, having a supportive family and having a supportive wife. My happiest time is when my daughter and my son with their family is coming to my uh, home and we are uh, have a nice time together mm-hmm. and uh, and doing doing a lot of uh, activities. Makes me happy is to have my family and to have my health, so we can always have the barbecue and have a fun, go out together and enjoy life. Hey Charlie, what makes you happy, Bubba? Is it that bone? It might sound cheesy, but think about the people who make you happy. Give them a call, plan a date, and rebalance your life. You're not going to remember the promotions or bonuses in your old age, but you will remember what it was like to experience life with the ones you love. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is the portion of the show where we typically call out the mistakes people made, but I need to take a minute before that, and in the spirit of happiness, with the attitude of gratitude, there were some pretty awesome things that went down last week. So let's talk about them. First, let's start with NYU. We talk about student loan debt a lot on this show. Well, last week, the NYU School of Medicine announced that it was going to stop charging tuition Full stop, if you've been accepted as a medical student, you don't have to pay tuition. You still have to cover room and board, but this alleviates a major burden. By 2016, the average medical school debt was up to $179,000, with about 25% of graduates carrying debts higher than 200 grand. For students at NYU, that problem was or has gone away. The initiative was made possible in large part to a $100 million donation from a billionaire. So there are two options I see as logical. First, we can have billionaires cover everyone's tuition. Unfortunately, there are 5,300 colleges in the United States and about 1,500 billionaires in the entire world. So that probably won't work. Or we can find a way to reduce the cost of schools and find a way as an entire nation to put a higher priority on higher education. There were some other good news last week. So uh, guess what, a jury convicted Paul Manafort, drums. Michael Cohen pleaded guilty, more drums, but good drums. We like this kind of drums, right? Also National Enquirer publisher David Pecker is cooperating with the authorities and they literally have a safe full of receipts on Trump's shady dealings. So some good things happened this week. But of course, there's a ton of room for improvement. After all, Trump is still the president. So uh, let's talk about what he needs to do. He does need to do better this week, doubt it's gonna happen. But when John McCain passed away after his fight with brain cancer, reports claimed that Trump refused to release a White House statement about his service. Like, how petty can you be? I mean, yes, you did issue a tweet of your condolences, saying essentially our hearts and prayers are with you. But the tweet had proper spelling and capitalization, so let's be honest, you probably didn't even write that yourself. Why not release the White House statement? I don't get it. Is it because you only like people who weren't captured? Because that doesn't even make sense, because you were tweeting sweet nothings to Paul Manafort last week. Pretty much your whole crew has been captured. Manafort, captured. Flynn, 
captured. Michael Cohen essentially pleaded, captured. Yeah. On a related note, Kelly Ward, Republican candidate for Senate in Arizona, you need to do better this week. When the McCain family made the announcement that John McCain was going to stop medical treatment, Ward was launching a bus tour. When someone on Facebook mentioned the coincidence, Ward went on Facebook and commented, quote, I think they wanted to have a particular narrative that they hope is negative to me. That's right, when the McCains announced that the senator was gonna stop having treatment for his brain cancer, she thought it was a direct affront to her personally. Now, I know a lot of people have been having arguments over how to express their feelings about the passing of someone they disagree with politically. But come on, man, his family has a lot on their radar at this time, but I guarantee you Kelly Ward was not one of them. John McCain did not time his announcement to ruin your bus tour. And Kelly, let's do better this week. Okay, finally, a story that I've been dying to get to, paper straws. Paper straws, let's do better this week. I know disposable plastic straws are bad for the environment. Americans use 500 million of them every day, and most of them end up in the ocean. But I'm done with them, okay? I quit, I'm not saying that we go back to plastic straws. But we have to do better than these crappy paper straws. They disintegrate, they taste like dirt. IBM has a computer that can do 200 trillion calculations per second. Can we please use some of that technology to get a paper straw that doesn't suck? During the break, I put one of these paper straws in a cup. Here it is now, it's pulp. That's all I ask, so paper straws, Let's do better this week. All right, everyone, I wanna thank you so much for listening to the show. Remember to leave a five-star rating. And I also wanna thank all the hard workers behind the scenes that make this show possible. Edwin Umania, Griffin Freitas, Bart Kyle, Craig Lowry, Jesus Godoy, Dan Evans, Brett Ehrlich, Deanna, uh, Deanna, Adriana uh, De La Vega, Sloan, Sloan Bozzi. This was the last show that she helped me produce. She had to go back to school. Love you guys, have a great week, and I'll see you next week with No Filter.